0: Don't forget YPs, all our young peoples, the 12 and 13-year-olds, uh, that you are ready to go. You can go out that my left, your right. Hey, Nick, as you're walking past that, that thing down there, thanks, you know what I mean? Great. Brilliant. Our uh, our building on the other side of this wall is continuing to take progress. I don't know if you've noticed it. You have? That's good. Well, sometimes you don't, you know. But uh, thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's good. Um, You know, when we uh, finally knock out that wall, if you looked at the plan that's been up there for about three years, we're actually going to be changing the inside of the church a bit. And I just want to continue to you know, um, talk you through the changes so you, you don't, it doesn't all of a sudden jump out at you. But there'll be one week when the stage will be here, and the next week and the stage will be there. Okay? And that sounds like, wow. So hopefully it'll happen in a week. I'm not quite sure. Uh, possibly it might take a bit longer. But then the seating will be changed so it'll be this way, and, uh, and we'll be looking at uh, the stage there. And that wall will become um, a, con- a set of Constantine doors that'll, uh, you know, that'll open right up when we need to. And uh, the building will go from seating 300 here uh, to actually being able to, when necessary, seat even if we didn't uh, expect- go out and use the seating in the in the other new area. It'll be more like. Uh, About 380 that can now fit in here. Simply because, you know why? Simply because we can use the corners of the building in a format like that. Does that make you you understand that? So uh, so just want to help you understand. It'll feel different. You'll have to find a new seat. (laughs) Anyway... I know that none of you get into any kind of habits like that. No. Not at all. But uh, so just so you continually be thinking that way. And actually, next year, do you know what next year is? It's 2020. However, you want to pronounce it. 2020, whatever. Uh, but did you know that in 1970, apparently on June the 14th, this church was planted? Now, if you do your mathematics, 2020 means it's 50 years. There you go. And so next year, with the opening of our new section, we were thinking we were going to have a bit of a time to give honor and praise to God and celebrate what God has done in literally thousands of lives through this church and over the years. Apparently, I'm the sixth pastor. Number six. It's not the best number, I know. Six, (laughs) six. But... I think we're doing okay. I think we've broken that, whatever's on the number six. But apparently I'm the sixth pastor in this church, which is pretty good for 50 years. uh, Because sometimes churches go through six pastors in six years. Um, But we've done okay. We've stuck around. So just so you're aware of that. That's cool. I want to draw your attention to a Psalm of David today. Psalm 27 and verses 1 to 5. Uh, I want to read this one, uh, King James Version. And um, to give you a little bit of context around, I won't read all of the psalm, but it's like 14 verses and it's really good. But I just want to concentrate particularly on these five and then uh, narrow down to particularly verse 4 and give some context to what is being said by David. If you, if, when you read this psalm, I want you to take note of a couple of things. David is either come through a very difficult time or he's in the midst of a difficult time. And with this psalm, you can see clearly he starts to talk to God and he writes these words, expressing how he feels in his heart towards God in the midst of what he's been through or he's going through. Now, we know there were two difficult times in David's life. there was probably more, but two very difficult times. It was the time before he was king, when for 10 years he was chased around by his murderous father-in-law, uh, he, he was, his wife was taken from him. He lived in caves. And so David had a hard time before he was king. It could be this psalm was written in response to that or while he was in the midst of that. Or secondly, David, when he was king, he was getting on in years. And his son Absalom um, tried to take the throne off David. In actual fact, David, Absalom, got part way because David had to flee his palace, flee his country like a refugee and he went and hid in another spot Um, but eventually David was able to come back and take his position of king over Israel and Judea and Judah I should say Um, but there was some difficult time so this psalm could be written in response to those times or in the middle of those times so so is that good Psalm 27 we got there verses 1 it says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear what a statement of faith hey the Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. That's a great thought. Verse 3, And throw an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Thy war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. And then verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that, will I, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord Just on a Sunday. How many days? All the days of my life. Uh, To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And that was prophetic because Jesus is... That rock, and he is yet to come, wasn't he? David didn't know that, but well, had some idea. So, I want to give t- um, context. As I said, I've set some context for this, where David was in the midst But I want to just for a moment just give context to particularly verse four, because it says in verse four, David says, "One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. One thing. One thing." Can everybody just say that with me? One thing one thing I've desired of the Lord. And as we read this, it's interesting because that's a big statement. David's saying, of all the things that I have to do, there's one thing that I need to give priority to. I I must give focus to it no matter what rages around me or what's happened in my past or what looks like it's going to happen in the future. There's one thing that I've got to make sure I do. There's one thing I've got to give attention to. Um, And so as, as we look at this, I was thinking about the reality. You know, there's all light that is around us right now. Light. Light's everywhere, isn't it? And it's interesting, but you can take the same light that is even shining into this building through the sun's coming through and take that light and concentrate it and focus it. And you know what? It can become a laser of light called a laser beam, and it's so strong and so powerful that that light force can actually cut through metal. Isn't that incredible? But it's when you concentrate it. It's when you take the light that is, that's around us and you concentrate it. It's like a river that's flowing um, across the land. You know, it can just be meandering across the land, but you take that water and you concentrate it through a pipe and you run it down a hill and it hits the turbine, bl- turbine blades and it, it will produce electricity. It's called hydroelectric power stations, isn't it? But it's when you concentrate water, concentrate that river, focus that river on one thing that it actually performs an incredible task. You can have fire be so destructive across our land, and it has been, unfortunately, Uh, and and take people's properties, take people's livelihoods, and yet you can take the same thing, that fire, and concentrate it and confine it within a little campfire. It'll cook your food and boil your water. It can be used for so much good. But I've discovered that sometimes things just need to be focused. They just need to do one thing, concentrated. And you know that's what David's saying. He says, you know, of all the things that I've got to do in life, I need to become the person of one thing. Because when I do, I, it'll it'll can be so much more effective. I can be so much more powerful. I can be so uh, much better. You know, um, um, Paul said this. Uh, I haven't got a verse for it. I just want to share this one thing I do is to pursue Jesus Christ. Basically, that he was saying in Philippians 3. One thing I do, of all the things that i got to do, I want to pursue. Uh, um, Jesus actually said to a lady called uh, Martha, he was in their home, Martha and Mary, they were sisters, and Jesus says this, um, Mary, uh, Mary has discovered one thing is needed, Martha, as he spoke to Martha, because she was so busy doing many things, and Martha was sitting at Jesus' feet, and he said, you know what? Um, you're so worried, Martha, about many things, but one thing is only needed, and Mary has chosen the better thing to do. One thing, concentrate it, concentrate on that. Give it time, give it attention. Now, you and I, I know that we've got many things to do in life, and they're all important, very important. But I would say, like David... If we become the person of one thing, David was one was the person of one thing, as was Paul, as was Mary, and you know what? If we can just see that we need to become men and women of the one thing, circumstances will distract you from this one thing. Uh, Your list of things to do will mushroom all of a sudden because of. But you got uh, you know when you want to do this one thing, the demand of your life will escalate. And I want to tell you, even Satan himself will employ whatever it takes to keep you from becoming the person of one thing. Of one thing. And you might be wondering, what is this one thing? I think most of you would have started to understand what I'm talking about. Because if you become a person of one thing, you become an instrument for incredible good. You become an instrument in God's hands for incredible blessing. You see, the Bible says that the person who does this one thing will know their God and do great exploits. The one thing. And so let me give you some context to what David's talking about. In verse 4, David says this one thing. What is David talking about? This one thing that I desire of the Lord. He says, this is what I'm going to seek. I've got other things. You've got other things. But there's one thing that we need to do. If we're going to become effective, if we're going to become a firebrand in God's hands, and if we're going to truly believe in uh, what we're singing uh, this morning, there were some great songs. Uh, But, you know, I'm so aware that I need to just... Um, give focus to this one thing if I'm ever going to do what God really wants me to do. And so it says, one thing David says in verse 4, I desire the Lord. Here's the first thing. He says that I will what? That I will dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life. That I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I, uh, I, I love this thought. You know, when... Um, see, the word dwell means to sit okay it means to remain it means to sit down and be quiet uh, not not necessarily vocally but within your heart someone said this morning we just need to rest uh, in God, this you know. I think that's a that's what David's saying. He's talking about dwelling. He's talking about just taking time out. You know, I um when I when I was growing up, I grew up on a farm outside of a little town called Gimpy. And um, at the age of four and a half, we moved into Gimpy and we uh, stayed with my grandparents. And they had a house, and I just it was an amazing house, and, and I used to enjoy because their house was attached to a shop. They had a grocery store. Ever before there was Woolworths or Coles. Or Drake's. They had a grocery store that had everything. And there's a five year old who knows that's a good thing. And every afternoon I'd get ice blocks and lemingtons. And I just enjoyed staying with my grandparents while we were trying my parents were trying to find another place to dwell, okay? So that was a great time in my life. But then we moved from that their place and we moved into our own house. I remember the street was Ferguson Street. And it was kind of like, it was, it was okay, but it was a bit drafty and a bit cold in and winter. And, 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 but the good thing about it is I could walk to school because I started school. It was literally only 700 metres down the road. And, and that was a it was okay, that house. But it, I, I don't know if I really got that excited about it because I always remembered that house had a, had a blue-tongued lizard living under the stairs. And, and who knows, as a five-year-old, that's the scariest thing on earth. And so I remember it. It obviously marked me emotionally. Uh, but, you know, then we moved to another house house on Rifle Range Road in Gympie and it was okay too uh, but the trouble with it, it was many kilometers from school so I had to get a ride to school with another family as a young little six year old and uh, I didn't kind of like that but then we moved to the house that I really wanted, that was an incredible house, it was in Bly Street. Every now and then folks to this day I'll just drive up to pass that house on the way through to Brisbane because you've got to go through Gympie and I'll just go and look at the house and remember the incredible time I had it house cuz this house was on a hill it overlooked the valley of gimpy and the the, Brisbane, uh, the gimpy valley and, and 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 it had a it had a long driveway and i used to get my little go-kart and just go hoik it down that driveway and the backyard had grass and i used to roll down the hill in the grass and had incredible gardens and it was a big house it had many rooms it had a big sunroom anybody ever heard of a sunroom you know that in the morning you sit out there in the middle of winter and and the sun would stream through the windows and it was just beautiful and and i'd play with all my toys in that room and it had a long hallway and I remember my dad used to play ten pin bowls with me in that hallway and uh, in the back room and then they had this back room in kind of like a not like another veranda but it was enclosed where you could just sit and relax and man I, I, and I had my own room. And it had one of those French window boxes in it, you know, and, and, and a little cushioned seats and my own bed. And, and my other three sisters, I didn't have to sleep with them anymore. I could have my own room. And um, not that I ever kind of slept in the same bed with them. But, you know, as a little boy, you always dreamt of, you know, having your own stuff. And so this house was a place where I wanted to live. You know, I'd made up my mind. I got to the age of nine and I thought, this is the place I want to live for the rest of my life. I just wanted to dwell there it just had incredible wonderful things happen there i wanted to live in that place i wanted to dwell in that place i wanted to be there and you know what paul i uh, sorry paul david is saying something very much like that he says i want to dwell in the house of the lord forever but you know what he wasn't talking about a physical place he wasn't you know that he, he, in this building we can't dwell in this building as much as I've had some incredible moments in this building. I got married right here, folks. My children have been dedicated right here. You know, I've had some... I got baptized. Actually, I didn't get baptized here. I got baptized in Rockhampton. That's fine. Uh, you know, I, there's some wonderful moments I've had in this building. It's been an incredible building. But it's, but it's just a building. It's, 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 it's a place Um, because the truth is God's dwelling as David knew how could he ever dwell in God's temple all the days of his life he couldn't physically do that he he knew that so obviously the place is not a geographical location it's not it's not somewhere that you can say there's some places where you have great memories like the house I used to live in in Gimbly Street but in the truth is is that God wants to transfer that sense of oh that's a great place I love that house he wants to transfer that sense to that place where you have in your your heart and your relationship between him and you because dwelling is not a place it's a position that you place your heart in and say that's where I want to dwell and let God come and infiltrate that place in here who knows it's it's physically it's nice but it's not where God wants to dwell he wants to dwell in temples not made by hands but made by the Holy Spirit that's us so, you know, you've got to understand God is calling David and David is saying, you know what? I want to be in your presence, God. I want that dwelling place. I want that place of rest to sit in that place. And I would just challenge you because sometimes I think in life we can have a, we can have a good Sunday and so we should and we need to and fellowship and connection. But you know what, you've got to take this for the Monday through to the Saturday as well and say, you know what, God hasn't left the temple. He still can dwell in here. His presence can still be here. But you've got to cultivate that, folks. Because, you know, sometimes we can have a good time and then leave him on the outside of our lives for the rest of the week or the rest of the month or the rest of the year. And we just think, well, God will turn up when I need him. He doesn't work like that, does he? God wants to build a dwelling place in your heart day after day after day. Can I challenge you? What would it look like to spend an hour with God and just come and draw near to him and just be in his presence? What would it look like for you? You may say, I couldn't do that couldn't do that. that, that, that. i got so many things in my life. Or well, why don't you declutter your life? And that's what David's saying. This one thing, God, is I want to declutter and I want to just rest, find some time every day, every 24 hours that I could just rest and find a place of dwelling where your presence is and just infiltrating my heart and life. David is, is clearly saying, come on, it's a place to sit down. It's a place to stop the busyness of life, do you know the story of Martha, Martha and Mary that I mentioned before? Martha, of course, was the one who actually invited Jesus to her house. To, isn't that interesting? And yet, Martha is the one, though he invited Jesus to her house, he didn't spend. She didn't spend time with Jesus. She was so distracted, you know, by preparing food for a meal, and yet. Isn't it interesting? She invited him, and yet she doesn't spend. Who invites a person to their house and kind of leaves them in the lounge room? Well, you know, look, I'll call you in an hour. Um, you know, I don't know, just enjoy yourself. Um, watch the television. I'm just busy. No one invites someone to their house and says, you know, sit, on your, sit by yourself. No, they want to spend time in each other's presence. Isn't that the reason for it? Yes, the answer is Yes just if you're wondering Um, Martha invited Jesus in verse 38 of of that scripture and yet yet she didn't spend time in his presence and then she got upset with her sister and says Jesus tell Mary to come and help me and Jesus you know the response Jesus says she's picked the right thing to do see we love to have Jesus in our presence but we fail to engage in his presence sometimes And, and, and to just sit there like Mary did and and, and, and just to you know to sit and respond and sense and be with him and talk with him and relate to him and communicate, I, I just wonder what your life how better your life could be if you sat in the, the one who created you, if you sat in his presence for a while, if you just spent some more time with him and see what he could do in and through your life, How much better life would be. I want to encourage you you know because it's when we sit in his presence often that the transfer happens. Scripture says, you know, you can replace, you can have the oil of joy for your mourning or your grief or your whatever it may be. But it's found in his what? In his presence when you sit and dwell in the presence of God. See, it says that the, you can have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness anxiety or worry or concerns or whatever it may be. You can find it, but, you're, but you've got to put on the garment of praise. You know, you can't just, you know, it's, it's sometimes we put, put the garments of praise, we leave them in the cupboard, and you've got to open the cupboard, and you've actually got to put it on. You've got to actually spend some time in his presence. Who knows that? If you don't ever put it on, you'll never have the lifting of the heaviness off your heart. Let me be honest. But we expect it to happen. We expect God to turn up you know I think God you know we want God we want instant God sometimes it just takes a little bit of waiting a little bit of resting a little bit of time it just it is David said I just want to dwell I want to sit I want to rest I want to be quiet I want to I want to stop the busyness uh not that busyness is wrong all the time I'm just saying you've got to find that time and say hey because if you become the person of one thing your life will change your life will change in his presence it can't help but change he says he'll give you beauty for ashes what's that all about you know just every does your life feel like it just turns up with burnt stuff all the time it just feels like life is just, it's all, it's all being consumed. Life is being consumed every day. You know, I want to tell you what, he wants to give you something different. He wants to give you fruitful stuff. It's not going to be burned. It's going to be fruitful and alive. And, and it comes as we just dwell in his presence. You know, I want to encourage us this morning. David said it. It's true. He says that this one thing it is in his presence. See, it's in his presence you find fullness of Joy. It's what David was talking about. Here's the second thing David says. He says, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you know what behold means here? It means to mentally perceive. It means means to mentally perceive. It means to take time to think about the goodness of God. Because beauty actually means his goodness and grace and mercy, all those good things about God that we get to have the benefit of. And you know, and this is what this is what it says. I want to behold, I want to mentally perceive. How much time do you give to actually thinking about how incredibly good God is? Or well, when you dwell and sit and relax, you can just I think that's one of the most powerful things you can do in a time and when you're just sitting with God and worship, is to actually just behold him and to say, God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your... Have you ever spent that time just doing that? You know, I found a powerful thing in my own little time with the Lord is is for a good portion of that time, whether, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, I just start to think about the realities of his goodness to me. His goodness to me. Because when I think about the realities of his goodness towards me, I find very little to get upset and complain about, God. God. When I start to think on, see, we've got to perceive God's beauty. It's not based on some because you know, you know the, the, I have sometimes I'll look at Michelle, and this is honest, you can call it mushy or whatever you, you want to call it, but I'll look at Michelle and I go and I think in my heart, I know why I married her. She's just beautiful. Thank you. And I catch myself thinking, she, she, she's just beautiful. And I realize, and you know, in and, and, and those moments, I realize I need to put my glasses. No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> in those moments. You know, Michelle and I always joke with each other. I think God allows our eyes to get weaker so that we still look the same. We just, we just laugh at each other and say, you still look good. Yeah, I think you look good too. Is it because we don't have our glasses on? Probably, it doesn't matter. But the reality is I do find myself looking at her and still thinking, she's beautiful. And, and, and then I realise, of course, in real, all seriousness, beauty is fleeting and good looks are going to pass away, aren't they? But I want you to know, when I start to be thankful and I start to look beyond the outside and I start to be thankful about her inner beauty and just all the wonderful qualities that I have in my beautiful wife. And as I look at her and as I, you know, I see the inner beauty, which is what Proverbs chapter 30 lady is like, inner beauty. And I I just start to be thankful. And as I do, it just continually makes me fall in love with her again, afresh And you. You know what I'm saying? And I just wonder if we would just spend some time in God's presence and just perceive his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his incredible gift to us and his love for us, how much it, would just entwine your heart with him afresh if you just sat for a while sometimes instead of seeing all the negative things about the world why don't you just start your day or finish your day or whatever you may do it and just say God you're incredibly good you're incredibly merciful and I just give you thanks and I just give you praise today it says give thanks in all circumstances I think it starts I think life change starts with thankfulness and just thanking him do you know what that's called? It's called worship. Just worship him and thanking him. Um, Jesus, there's an example. God reveals himself to Moses and, and he says this to Moses. Um, he says, Exodus um, chapter 34 6 he says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed to Moses, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering or patient, and abounding in goodness and truth. And so as, as the Lord passed before Moses, this was the proclamation that the Lord made uh, to Moses. You know, I'm gracious and merciful and patient and abounding. I'm not just... You know, in, in goodness, I'm abounding in that one. I'm abounding in goodness and truth, and we see—that's uh, what uh, we see. Also, uh, what uh, what the angels declared when Jesus was born in Luke chapter two. He says, "Glory to God in the highest, and on peace, goodwill towards men." Jesus. Jesus is God's goodness expressed towards us. And so we can just see the reality of of God's goodness continually displayed before us. But you've got to spend time just acknowledging his, beholding how good he is. You've got to spend time. You've got to slow down. You've got to stop for a moment and just realize the power of his goodness. So have you ever just sat and engaged your thoughts around the truth of God's goodness? And when, you know... Have you ever just sat and thanked him for the goodness? Have you ever just allowed your day? Have you allowed your day and then your week and then your month go past and you've never even thought of the reality of how good and incredible God is? Because it makes us realize that life isn't all about us. And so we can throw off our selfishness when I start to see his goodness. And when I have his goodness, when I have a revelation of his incredible goodness to me, and then my not just my revelation of him, but then my expectation changes. And so my expectation goes from, well, God will never give me anything good or nothing good will happen to me, to expecting that if I have a good God, he's going to do good things towards me. And that's a whole different mind frame. See, when we sit in his presence, it shapes our whole being. It shapes our thought processes when we just sit in the presence of God. So what, what do you really believe today? Do you believe that, um, that God's goodness could do something if you would just give time to it? Do, do, do you take that time just to sit and stop and give Him a quality amount of time? What would, what would it be like to just say, God, an hour a day, i just going to be in your, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to sit, I'm going to thank you for your goodness, uh, I'm just going to let you be God in my life? I, I think there would become a dramatic change in our life. What do you think? I was I was fascinated. I was reading a, a, a guy called Dr. Timothy Jennings, who's a neuropsychic pharmacologist. He was he was he completed some clinical research on what happens to your brain if you worship God for just 12 minutes a day. Just 12 minutes. I don't know why he picked 12, but pick 12. And he picked 12. And he and as a Christian psycho pharmacologist, this is what he came up with. When you worship for just 12 minutes, just imagine if he went for 30, far out. He says it increases the capacity to your reasoning and thinking and evaluating parts of your brain. You have a better capacity to reason and think. It says worship for 12 minutes a day will increase the capacity to, the, to have empathy and compassion and have love. And it'll increase the ability because you've got parts of your brain that has empathy Parts and compassion and loving parts. It'll increase the capacity for those things in your brain. It increases the plasticity. Here's an interesting word. Plasticity and self-healing properties of the brain so that you can have, a, have more neuron growth. Did you know that your brain can build new pathways? That's exciting. It increases the ability to rewire the brain from the guilt and anger and depression pathways of your brain to rewire so that you don't have guilt, anger, and depression. I call that just the touch of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but you know what? When that happens, God actually can re wire your brain so that you can start to think good things and not negative things that you actually are the head and not the tail and that he does want to bless you and not curse you i think as we think on as we mentally perceive as we behold his beauty and spend time god can do all that in our lives i reckon that's better than a pill any prescription praise god for our doctors who sometimes we need those prescriptions and stuff i understand but David said, "Come on, give time to that." Here's the third thing that I find incredibly powerful. Not only did David said, "I want to dwell in your presence." Not only do I. What's the second one? I want to. Um, what is it? Oh, everybody's whispering it. Behold the beauty of the Lord, and then the third one he just talks about. He says, "I want to inquire, inquire." Uh, let's make sure we get it. Where is it? And to inquire in His temple inquire at his temple you know the word inquire is an interesting word because it's not just about asking this word inquire it's not just about asking in prayer but it's actually it's talking about waiting uh for his word to come back to us it's waiting for a response how can i be concerned that he never speaks to me if all i do is chatter to him and then walk away and expect for him to speak to me you know why i'm never listening for him Never listening for him. Do you know God actually wants to speak to you? Now, how will he do that? He may do it through a quickening of sometimes just reading a verse. Sometimes it might be just this image or thought that comes to your mind. You think, wow, sometimes it can be dreams. How many times have dreams happened that think, what's What's about that? And you start to think about it. See, you've got to see to to understand these things. Sometimes you've got to do what it says in the previous. You just got to behold His beauty. You just got to mentally perceive and spend time in. See, you know, when you became a Christian, God changed your life. But I want to tell you, the rest of your life, you've got to work that out. And the rest of your life, working through that process and going through the moments, is, is that that's the time that you start to perceive and understand and receive from God. And you've got to sit in His presence. You've got to spend that time. And it says, inquire of the Lord. You know how many times have I spoken to Michelle? Lots. And walked away. I say, blah, 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 blah. And then I walk away, and, and I get caught up in my own world so quickly. And, and, and Michelle, at different times, says, I, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. She says, no. Come and look at me in the face when I talk to you. So I say, why do you want me to look at you in the face? So I know that you're listening. It happens, is not it? In actual fact, that happened this morning. Because I said, honey, I've got to leave by quarter, um, 10 past eight this morning, because I've got to do this and this and this, and we've got to be at the church a bit early, because I want to blah, 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 blah. And she said, and then I just walked away. She says, come back here. I said, what for? She says, I want to talk to you. What do you want to talk to me about? I'm listening, I'm listening. She says, look at me in the face when you're speaking to me. <laughs> Why? So I know that you're listening. Do you know what Psalm 27, if you went on to the rest of this psalm, it says in verse 9, and David says, The Lord, do not hide your face from me. Do you know what face means? Literally, in in the original Hebrew, it means that part which turns. And you know what David is saying, God, don't turn your face from me. But it's not God who turns his face from us. It's us that turns our face from God. And we kind of pray and ask, and we, we expect him to, you know, we expect God to do this and do that. And and sometimes we're not even listening. We've turned away. We've given God the, all the chatter, and then we walk away. and We never wait. And we never inquire. We never listen for His answers. I want to tell you, God wants to speak more than you're listening. Come on, uh, God wants to speak. He said, it, 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 it "Don't." It, it's us that turn our face from Him. We don't listen. We don't wait long enough to listen we rush off and never sit and perceive we rush we, we 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 never take the moment can i encourage you what would it be like if god actually spoke to you and something from the bible as you read it jumped out at you that's what god wants to speak more often than not i found that god uses my conscience to speak to me don't do that <laughs> because i know what the word of god says you know he uses my conscience it's a god-given conscience Folks, I, I, uh, I want to encourage us that God is there all the time as we've been praying, but I'm just not quite sure that I'm there all the time. And I want to be, because I know to spend the time in that place would just bring revolutionary change in our lives as we continue to put him first, to dwell in that place. And it's not just dwell, but then behold and to meditate, mentally perceive all that he's got. In his goodness and mercy and grace, and then to inquire and be ready to listen, spend more than a little bit more time and just and just say, "Oh God, what what, what are you saying?" You know, what are you saying? I um, some years ago, I went to Perth and um, I had to go for a, a a chaplaincy a street chaplaincy conference. And um, Tians came with me, and we went over there. And then and then on the second day, they they drove us. We stayed at a campsite out west uh, north of Perth, and then. Um, a little bit further on from Perth, about half a day, they took us to a monastery. I so thought, what are we going here for?" But it was a Catholic monastery where there was monks or men who had given their lives to serve God. And this this monastery was more than a monastery. It was called actually it was called the New Norcia. Does anybody know that one? How's he pronounce it? it? Norcia. Yeah. So Tiens and I and a whole bunch of other street chaplains went there. And this wasn't just a... It was a whole village. It was a whole town they'd built over the decades. And they'd built it for the local indigenous folk. And, 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 and there was houses and there was a bakery and there was, you know, um, fields and crops and sheep and all types of things. And, and so it had kind of wound down a bit. But there was still a whole bunch of men there who had given their commitment to God as a monk to serve him diligently, never marry. And we had afternoon tea. Remember teens, we had afternoon tea with these guys. And they gracious you know, they were pretty normal. In actual fact, in actual fact, they challenged me to the core, not literally in them speaking, but what they just shared about their lifestyle. They prayed five times a day, and they prayed the whole hundred and fifty Psalms of the Bible in one week. I'm not not suggesting that's what you do. I'm just saying it challenged me about their devotion to God. Um, I must admit, you know, I know that, you know, you can spend a lot of time in prayer, but there's also some things you need to do as well, uh, like actually go and share Jesus (laughs) and get out behind uh, from that place. But, you know, I I said, I remember saying to them, what do you do with Psalm 119 because it's got 176 verses? He says, oh, we we split that one up a bit. (laughs) We pray that one. But interesting enough, a certain time within each day, they have a time of silence where they don't speak to each other. They're not allowed to speak to anybody. They just have total silence, and it's got to be in meditation, and it's got to be listening, waiting for God to say something, speak to them. And I thought, these guys have got more devotion to God than I ever have had. Now, I'm not quite sure about all of what they were up to and all that were doing, but I do know that challenged me personally. David said, this is what a one thing, the one thing that I want to do, of all the things that need to be done, this one thing I want to make sure I prioritize and give to is that I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will sit in his presence, that I will behold his beauty. I will perceive mentally and give him thanks and praise for his goodness and mercy and grace. And then I will inquire and not just ask, but I'll listen for the response that he may have so that I can be led, have revelation and wisdom and guidance. I love that. I want to encourage us. God is nearer than we think. And you know what? I think it's very doable. I think sometimes God just wants to take us from this amount of time, just another little step further in our time with him each day. And I encourage you. Maybe you haven't got much time at all. Well, why don't you just start? Say, God, you know, sometimes it takes a sacrifice. It takes getting up that little 20 minutes earlier. Or just going to bed 20 minutes later, or whatever time you find, but I do know that God longs for your presence, because He's your creator, and He wants to He's got so much to share, so much to encourage. I find when I spend time in God's presence, my marriage goes better, my relationships go better, my attitude goes better, just a whole bunch of stuff. and it's all because I do the transfer of my rotten attitudes for his good ones sometimes. My anger for His peace. My frustration for his joy. And he does it all in that place where we dwell. Can we just this morning stand together as we close? We're going to worship in a moment. What incredible God we serve. Thank you, Father. I think sometimes the frustrations of unanswered prayer wouldn't be a frustration if we sometimes would just just spend that time listening for his answers and the direction. And sometimes we wouldn't be frustrated with his answers, because if we'd spent that time, we would know that this is his ways are the best ways possible. And then when difficult things happen, I believe sincerely that we wouldn't see them as something God has done, but we see that something as God is doing in me in the midst of that. And we'd be able to trust him because we've spent that time in that place and that secret place it talks about in Psalm 91, secret place of his presence and just knowing him. And Because I gain more trust in him. I gain more strength in him and confidence in him when I do that. So let me pray today. Father, today we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We just thank you, God, that you give it unto us. and Father, that we would be a people that, uh, Lord, would be able to carve out time in every day. Because David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life. Each day, we'd find some time to carve out, Lord. And when we carve out that time, whatever it may be for us, whatever that looks like for us, whatever time, amount of time that is, that you'd help us just to be diligent in that because, Lord, distractions come, our calendar gets full, our relationships crowd in which are important, and work and everything else. We need just help just to put priorities into place, Lord, and put you first. Father, I thank you and commit ourselves to you. Lord, this to each one of us, In Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's just for a moment worship him this morning as we close. Thanks, team.